The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. Amen. Hey, don't forget tonight's uh, six o'clock service. I'll be preaching a message on how to encourage people. And uh, the message will be about encouragement. So I hope you can come be a part of the six o'clock service. Then on Wednesday night, we're having a fantastic Bible study on knowing the Holy Spirit. And so I hope that you'll avail yourself to try to come to a Wednesday night service as we speak on knowing the Holy Spirit. That service is at seven o'clock. Take your Bible and go back, if you will, to Matthew chapter 13. Look at verses 24 down through verse 26. The Bible says again, it says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. So here's a farmer. He goes out just like every farmer does. Come planting time, he goes out. Uh, he's inspected his seed. He knows it's good seed. He knows that it is time to sow it. So he goes out at the proper time. He's already prepared the field. And so they begin to sow. The Bible says in verse 25, but while men slept. Now these are his servants or the ones that's serving with him, his labors, if you will, please, on the farm. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Verse 26, the Bible says, and when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. It's very interesting in this particular chapter, Matthew chapter 13, that you'll see there's eight different parables that our Lord spoke of. And of course, in these parables, it's an earthly story giving a heavenly meaning. And we'll see in these parables that Jesus now is finishing the first four parables. As he's finishing the first four parables, the disciples come with a question. Notice, if you will, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 36, the Bible says, and Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house and his disciples came on to him saying, declare unto us the parable of the tares in the field or of the field. So here they don't come. They don't ask anything about the sower. They don't ask anything about the soil. They don't ask anything about the seed. And of course, even in this particular chapter, you begin to understand about the, the parable of the mustard seed and, and the leaven. Uh, and they don't ask anything about that at all. But these disciples come back, uh, maybe because uh, as Jesus taught about the parable, these 12 men became slightly troubled. They didn't understand all that was being explained there. I don't know. I do know this, that it's very clear that a farmer comes and a farmer plants his wheat in the field. That's the good seed. He plants it with the expectancy of having a good harvest. Uh, it's very clear uh, that in the scriptures, all of a sudden as the night rolls by and he and those that are serving on the farm with him become extremely tired. So they bed in for the evening hour. And as they do, those that are the enemies come and they take that which is the tares and they uh, spread the tares throughout the wheat. We understand that. We understand what tares are. That is the, the breaded uh, darnel, if you will. Uh, it uh, grows in stages, but at first, as it begins to grow, it looks just like the wheat. Uh, you can't tell them apart. And so probably uh, as the farmer goes out, as it begins to come up out of the ground, he looks out there and he thinks it's a bumper crop. He thinks, wow, man, God has really blessed and it's going to be a good 
good year of harvest. And so he goes out there and he, he notices uh, uh, the crop is coming up and they look the same. I mean, everything looks good. He thinks that uh, he is going to be able to uh, have a, a wealth of crops that come in. But as they continue to grow, things change. Uh, the wheat, of course, if you look at the head of the wheat, uh, it uh, shows the fruit thereof. If you look at the head of the tares, you'll see it's full of black seeds. Uh, you'll see as they continue to grow, if you know anything about tares, you know anything about wheat, uh, uh, as the wheat grows, it begins to kind of lean over because that which is the fruit of the wheat, uh, if you will, uh, it, it's heavy. And so uh, the heads kind of bend over a little bit, uh, but the tares not so because those black seeds are not as heavy. And so uh, they, they're kind of standing straight up. So you can definitely tell the difference once it matures. Now I can say this, I've seen many Christians mm, that profess to be Christians, I should say, and, and they get saved later on in life. I preached up in North Carolina and I preached a Sunday night message and uh, there was a lady, she was in her 70s, she walked down the aisle. She'd been teaching Sunday school for 22 years. She walked down the aisle and she met her pastor and she said, Pastor, today God revealed to me I'm not really saved. And he said, now wait, you've been teaching for 22 years. She said, that doesn't matter. You know as well as I do, that's not going to get me to heaven. I'm not really saved. And pastor, I'm telling you, I know I need to get saved. All right. And so she came forward that evening. She bowed her heart. She received Christ as Savior. Oh, I remember Mrs. Tussie. Mrs. Tussie was a uh, deacon's wife down uh, at Grace Independent Baptist Church in Ocean Springs, Mississippi, where I was an, uh, uh, an evangelist out of that church for eight years. Dr. Ed uh, 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 Decker was our pastor, and, and Mrs. Tussie had to have uh, some procedures done in the hospital. And so I went by to visit, and if you know me, one of the habits I have as I visit people in the hospital is I always bring them a book. I've done that for probably 15 years or so, and so I was visiting her in the hospital. And uh, at that time, I, I wasn't able to bring a wide selection of books and so I took her the one-step packets that we helped to put together out many years ago and so 43 different booklets I didn't think she was going to be in there an excessive long time but but she could have a, a variety to choose from to read and and she saw that first booklet that we use in our disciple adult discipleship training and she looked at that booklet it said salvation and she said I don't need to read this I mean, after all, I'm saved. Why in the world would I want to read a book about salvation? But they're numbered, you know, one, two, three, four, five, and on and so. And so she thought, well, if I'm going to read them, I might as well read it in order. And so I read that first book on salvation. And she said, I've been a deacon's wife for many years. But as I read that book, God the Holy Spirit began to convict my heart. And I understood that I was not truly saved. Now, here was a deacon's wife that uh, received Jesus Christ in uh, that hospital room. Now, I'm saying uh, there's been many times when people think they're saved, but they're not saved. Oh, they have the walk and they have the talk and they come to church on Sunday morning and they carry their Bible, whether great or small. They sing the uh, songs that you and I sing together. Uh, they shake the hands just like everybody shakes the hands, but when it comes down to them in their heart, 
they know they have never truly been born again. So here's what you see. Uh, later on, it begins to mature. That tear does. Oh, uh, that tear uh, looks like that which is the wheat until it gets a little bit uh, later, and then all of a sudden you realize because uh, uh, not doing things that are Christian, uh, not uh, uh, consistently uh, uh, being that which is Christ-like. Uh, I'm not talking about somebody that backslides. I'm not talking about somebody that sins, but uh, the fruit of the Spirit does eventually show up, you know. And, and, uh, and it does uh, bear witness that we are the children of God. And, and we understand this. Uh, we understand that in the Bible, there's a problem. Uh, the tares being sowed uh, among the wheat. And uh, that's lost people, if you will, uh, that's coming to church. And you say, well, why don't we just get rid of all the lost people that are pretending? And, and uh, well, first off, they may not know they're pretending. Maybe, uh, maybe they uh, pray to prayer and they're putting their confidence in the prayer maybe they got baptized and they're putting their confidence in the baptismal water maybe they're a good person and honestly they think they're saved because after all they do good things uh, uh, maybe uh, there's all sorts of those things but in the heart here's a searching question in the heart my dear friend do you know that you are saved oh very seldom do I ever preach a salvation message on a Sunday morning but as I study and praying throughout the week I thought for sure uh, there might be some tears that have come and, uh, and good people, good people, good people, but yet not truly sure that they're saved. Here the sower is a, a picture of Christ. The good seed is a picture of the gospel of grace. The, the devil is the one that sneaks in at night and, and sows, if you will, please. And, uh, and uh, these people are not bad people. These people are good people, but just confused people. They're just not sure they're saved and uh, and uh, and sometimes they even act like they're saved they uh, as I said come to church they carry a Bible they say amen they shake people's hands but in their heart they're not 100% that they're saved second Corinthians chapter 13 in verse 5 the Bible says examine yourselves whether you be in the faith Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves? How that uh, Christ, or how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Now wait a minute. He said, uh, examine yourself. He, nobody can tell that you're saved except you know that you're saved. Uh, you, you can act the act, and you can walk the walk, and you can talk the talk. But my question is, do you, in your heart? know that you have truly been born again. I've seen preachers. I was in, uh, I was in line uh, to graduate. Uh, there was a man standing in front of me when I was in Bible college. He and I had set through classes together. He and I had gone uh, to many soul-winning outreaches together. Uh, he and I were dear friends, and he turned to me as we were getting ready to get our college, our Bible college Bible college diploma. And he's standing there in front of me. He turned to me and he said, you know, I, I almost feel like a hypocrite. I said, why? He said, because you and I have gone to the Bible college together. We've sat in classes together. We've gone on soul winning outreaches together. We've done all these things together. And I'll be honest with you, Mike, I am not saved. I said, what do you mean you're not saved? You, do you understand we're in Bible college? 
Do you understand? We're getting ready to walk across the platform and receive our college degree. We've said in class after class after class together, he said, uh, I know, he said, but I've come to the realization. What did he do? He examined himself. He said, I came to the realization that I'm just not saved. I said, and I called his name, and I said, well, how about if we take care of it right now? I can help you with that. And so standing in line, getting ready to graduate from Bible college, I led my friend to Christ before he received his college diploma. Now, wait a minute. You know, I think sometimes people pray a prayer and they get confused. Now, by the way, let me tell you this. If you know you're a sinner, uh, you understand that Jesus is the Savior of the world. You don't have to work your way to heaven. You don't have to be good in order to merit heaven. You don't have to be baptized in order to go to heaven. Oh, no. It's simply receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, but you have to understand who He is, who you are, what He has done, and you bow your heart, you ask him to be your savior, and it's settled forever. But that come to church, and you think just because Sunday school, just because you read the Bible, just because mom's saved and daddy's saved and grandpa's saved and grandma's saved and friend is saved, uh, uh, I'm afraid that you're relying on all that. Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. Uh, here's what the Bible says. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. The Bible says, wherefore, it says, uh, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure that... I'm saved. She doesn't know. But my daddy says that I'm saved. Uh, he does not know. But my brother says, so my sister says, my grandmother says, my grandfather says, they all say that I'm saved. Uh, they don't know. Uh, uh, do you understand that as the wheat and the tares, they grow together, um, there is very little differentiation that you can tell between them. Do you understand uh, that uh, only when the seed is examined do you see that they are different? Now, wait a minute. Who can better examine yourself than yourself? By the way, that's the same way it is in health. You know when you feel good, and you know when you don't feel good. You know when something is amiss in your physical body, and you know when everything is hunkadory-dory in your physical body. By the way, you know when you're mentally off, and when you're not mentally off. You know when your emotions is out of balance and when your emotions are intact. Yeah. Uh, you know when everything is good and when there's some things amiss. You also know that very same thing about yourself spiritually. Today there will be 200 million Americans that's attending church somewhere. 
200 million Americans. Many of them profess that they're saved, but yet they commit crime. Yet they uh, 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 believe in abortion. Yet they drink and they smoke and they dope and they practice sexual immorality. And they live hellish in a society uh, that they should not live that way in. Now something is wrong. Now I'm not saying that everybody lives that way is not saved. It might be they're backslidden. But inside of you, there's going to be a Holy Ghost. Inside of you, uh, the Holy Ghost is going to show you, have you truly been born again? Uh, don't forget that Lot is sitting inside of the gate of Sodom. Two wicked cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't forget that Lot was sitting inside of the gates with all the wicked leaders of that day. And God looked at Lot and he said about Lot, Lot the righteous. You see, only God knows the heart. Uh, please don't get this way. Uh, please don't be so judgmental that you say, well, uh, that person's saved and that person is not saved because of the way that they act. Now, we may think, and we can't help but think, that somebody might be saved or might not be saved on the way that they act. Uh, that is just us being human. But can I tell you, only God knows that a person is saved or not. Hello? But God does tell us to examine ourselves. And so it is good for us to examine ourselves. Now, how do we do that? Let me give you a couple of things. Statement number one, uh, both were planted together. Both were planted together. Let's do a Bible study. Here we go. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. The Bible says another parable put forth uh, unto them. He put forth unto them, saying the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that soweth good seed in his field. So he is preparing the good seed. He's talking about that which is likened unto the word of God. And the good seed, the word of God is sown into the field. Talking about the field of man's heart. All right. And so he said it's likened unto that which is uh, heaven. Verse 25, the Bible says, but while men slept, uh, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. He then replaced the wheat. He sowed tares among the wheat. And the Bible says, and went their way. Well, you say, well, preach why is it then that uh, they just didn't go in there when they saw that uh, the wheat was leaning over as wheat does and the tares was sitting straight up? Why didn't they go in there and just pull out the tares? Because the tares uh, intermingle their roots with the wheat. So the uh, very second that they go in and start to pull up the tares, they pull up the wheat. So there had to become a time uh, when the process would be. You see here that they were both planted together. The character of the seed uh, is going to produce wheat. The character of the tares is going to produce tares. Uh, the gospel seed will always produce that which it is set out to do. But the tares sometimes will rely on emotional stimuli. The tares sometimes will rely on spiritual falsehood. The tares sometimes will rely on a physical experience. And they call that salvation. Now can I tell you, salvation is brought through only one person. And that one person is Jesus Christ. The Bible says, he that hath the Son hath everlasting life. Can I tell you, uh, if you have everlasting life, you know that uh, you have uh, everlasting life. You say, preacher, tell me about these tears. Well, it's almost like you go to get a flu shot. And what they do is they inject you with a dead virus. That's exactly what happens to people that go to church. 
Oh, they hear some person get up and say, you need to be baptized in order to be saved. By the way, that is false preaching. It is Christ and Christ alone. But they gravitate towards that false teaching. And because they gravitate towards that false teaching, they've been injected. Oh, have you come across somebody that says, if you're good enough, you'll make it. Or you've heard people say this, well, they're going to make it because I know, after all, they're a good person. It doesn't matter, my dear friend, uh, how uh, good you are. It, uh, somebody says, well, he is so highly educated, he'd make it. Oh, no, it has nothing to do with your education. It has everything to do with your relationship. Have you truly been born again? Have you been saved? Uh, I said uh, before, it would be far better to be an uneducated fool uh, than that which is an educated fool because an educated fool is harder to lead to Christ than that which is an uneducated fool. How can I tell you? The Bible talks about that which is the character, the character of the seed. Then you see the character of the sower. The good seed is sown by the owner of the field. Uh, uh, then the enemy comes in. They don't own the field. By the way, uh, God owns every field. You don't have to. You say, well, I don't want to tell somebody the truth. It might hurt their feelings. I'd rather hurt them this side of hell than them be uh, eternally tormented in hell forever because uh, I was afraid I might hurt their feelings. By the way, it used to be in churches that the gospel was preached straight. But now preachers have become uh, like Tiny Tim tiptoeing through the tulips. And can I tell you, it ought not be that way. It ought to be that when you come to church, your children has uh, the right to be able to hear something preached straight. All oh, the liberals don't like that. Liberals say, you have no business poking your nose in my business. Your business is my business. I'm supposed to preach the Bible. And by the way, used to be preachers would not be afraid of telling the truth. But now we've got to become politically correct. I'm saying hang the political correctness. Uh, let's get back to old-fashioned preaching so that people can understand exactly what the Bible says. Here we see the character of the sower. Uh, now Satan comes in, and uh, Satan comes in, if you will, and uh, he has no business being in that field. He doesn't belong in that field. But here's what he does. He comes in and he sows among that which is the wheat. And so both are planted together. Statement number two, both progressed together. Both progressed together. Mm -hmm. Stand up, Dr. Bachman, please, if you will. And all of a, get rid of your Bible. You're not going to need it for this, for sure. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he comes to church, and he looks like a pretty shiny fella, good fella, looks astute. Look, you pick on me, it's my turn. And, uh, and, and so here's what takes place. All of a sudden, he goes out, and he gets drunk. Now, now wait a minute. Watch this, if you will. For some reason, that does not identify with me as being a Christian. How many would agree? Raise your hand. Well, looky there. All of a sudden, he goes out and he cheats on his wife. Starts chasing loose skirts up and down the neighborhood. How many would agree that doesn't identify with what we call Christian? Raise your hand. Uh-huh. All of a sudden, he goes to a rock concert. 
He comes out of there doing the skunk skedaddle and the dish rag twist. <laughs> He's rocking across the parking lot. And we see him. He's smoking weed. How many would say that doesn't identify with what I understand a Christian ought to be? Wow, you're kidding me. All right? So we, thank you. So we, now by the way, he has not done that this week. <laughs> but now I want us to understand. He, no, he hadn't done it. So we understand this. We understand that uh, as you watch somebody, all of a sudden it, it truly comes out what they are. Hello? How many would be disappointed in me if I said a curse word from the pulpit? Raise your hand. Now why? Come on. And yet some of you young people get upset because your mom and daddy is trying to help you live like a Christian. See, I'm saying this. I'm saying that here we see that they both appear to be the same way. There's the, they begin to progress together. Take your Bible. Look at Matthew chapter 13, verses 26 through 29. The Bible says, but when uh, the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. Verse 25, the Bible says, So the servants of the, house, uh, of, of the householder uh, came and said on sirs, uh, Sir, he said, uh, Didst thou uh, not sow good seed in thy field? From whence hath it tares? D didn't you sow the right thing? Where'd these tares come from? Verse 29, the Bible says, And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. It says, the servant said unto him, Wilt thou then go? We go and gather them up. This is what he says in verse 29. And he said, Nay. He says, Lest uh, while ye gather up the tares, the root, uh, it says, ye root up also the wheat with them. Because they're intermingled. They're intermingled. All right? And so here's what the Bible teaches. They both grow. They both progress together. Oh, I've seen saved people come to church and carry a Bible. I've seen uh, uh, lost people come to church and carry a Bible. I've seen saved people come to church and they smile when the preacher gives a joke. I've seen both saved and lost people do that because the joke is good. Nobody laughed at that. <laughs> But I've seen people, they get bits out of the Bible. You know, the Bible says it's spiritually discerned. Is that right? But if you have a good Bible teacher, preacher, and he makes it simple for everybody to understand, even a lost person will get something out of it. Is that not right? So there's going to be evidence of growth because the teacher, preacher, if you will, makes it simple for everybody to understand. So the Bible uh, says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are, uh, they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. Uh, but if the preacher gives good explanation about it, then uh, you understand what the preacher said, because you have some smarts about you. So, yes, a lost choir member can uh, uh, have evidence that they've grown some. A lost deacon, a lost preacher, a lost church member, a lost Sunday school teacher, uh, they can have some evidences that they've grown some. Why? Because they're progressing together. The wheat and the tares, they walk together. And it's not until they mature, until you begin to see the fruit of some things that they're doing or not doing. Let me give you one last thing. I said that they're planted together. Uh, they have progress together. Watch this. Uh, both, uh, uh, both are processed together. 
Uh, I'm closing with this, but watch this. This is very interesting. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 30, the Bible says, uh, let both grow together until the harvest. Now there's going to be a harvest. That's called the catching away or the calling home of the saints. The next thing on God's prophetic timetable is the rapture. Oh, in churches all across America, if the rapture took place today, there would be uh, dear, beloved people. Yes, even some of your friends that would be left behind sitting in the same pew. You'll be gone, but they'll be taken. Uh, uh, you see, there will be a day of the harvest where God separates the wheat from the tares. Now, here's what the Bible teaches here. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 30 and verse uh, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 30 says let both grow together until the harvest in the time of the harvest he says I will say to the reapers uh, gather ye together first it says the tares and bind them in bundles and burn them so what's going to happen to the tares that's people that's not saved well they're going to be bound together where are they going they're going to die and they're going to go to hell They'll be cast into hell. They'll burn together. The Bible says, but gather, it says, the wheat into my barn. So where does a person go when they die? They, they go into that which is God's heaven, into his barn. All right? And so the tares are burned and uh, uh, the wheat is barned. Now, can I tell you what takes place is this. We understand uh, that uh, uh, that can take place. That's why I say, oh, I love you. I'm so glad. You let me preach to you on Sunday morning, and some of you are faithful, and you, oh, a bunch of you are faithful, and you come Sunday morning, after Sunday morning, after Sunday morning, after Sunday morning. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for letting me be your preacher on a Sunday morning. You could go to any church in the metro, but you chose Parkside. That's the best choice, by the way, in my opinion. But you come to Parkside, and I get to open a Bible and preach the Bible to you and help you to see what God says. But now, wait a minute. I don't want you, I, I don't want you to uh, be what you think is a good person in pretense, but not saved. Are you saved? Oh, but preacher, I prayed a prayer. Prayer's not going to save you. Oh, but preacher, I was baptized. Baptism is not going to save you. Oh, but preacher, I keep uh, uh, five of the Ten Commandments. Well, God bless you. That's not going to save you. Oh, but preacher, I'm a good person. Oh, no, it's not going to save you, my dear friend. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, I'm the way, the way, the way. Not one of the ways, the way. I'm the way, the way, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No man coming to the thought, but by me. He didn't say me in baptism, me and being good, me and going to church, me and speaking in tongues, me and holding out faithful to the end. It is Christ and Christ alone. And yet there's going to be many preachers across this land this morning that's getting up and they're teaching and preaching a false salvation. Well, if you're good enough, you'll make it. You certainly will. But it won't be to heaven. Well, you know, if, uh, if, uh, if I give so much money to the church, I'll uh, make it. Oh, you certainly will. But if that's what you're relying on, it won't be to heaven. See, that, that's why I think it's important to connect yourself up with the soul winning church. Hello. Be about the business of getting the gospel out to the ends of the world. 
the right gospel, the only gospel. Christ only, the hope of glory. Now, can I tell you uh, that uh, uh, it's time, I think, and I love you. Oh, do I love you. I'm not preaching up your nose. I'm preaching to you. But I love you. Examine yourself. Are you saved? These things have I written on you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that you have eternal life. Do you know that you're saved? I received Jesus Christ as my Savior, as you well know my testimony. And uh, I was not raised in the Christian faith. I was not. I was raised very religiously. I was believing, hoping, and relying on my good works to help me merit heaven. One day a teenager stopped me and gave me the good news of Jesus Christ in the carnival ground. Not in church. Not on a bus route. In a carnival ground. These people would say, oh, you can't get saved but any other place in church. I differ with you, my dear friend. I got saved in a carnival ground. I bowed my heart and I received Christ as my Savior. Then God began to light a fire underneath me to make sure that I try and get as much gospel out everywhere I go as much as I possibly can. Why? Because hell is real. Heaven is sweet. And I want everybody to go to heaven. Are you going? I love you. Here's my question. Are you going? Care about you. Here's my question. Is your mama going? Is your daddy going? Is your brother going? Sister going? How about that neighbor that lives beside you? Are they going? What are you doing about it? How about that per- person down at the marketplace where you go do your shopping? Are they going? Are they going? How about your son, your daughter, your grandkid? Are they going? How about the people that you teach, the people that teach you? Are they going? I went to North Carolina High School and I had the privilege to witness to one of my teachers and uh, he said, I'm saved. I said, well, I just got saved, isn't that neat? And, uh, and so he said, that is so neat. I said, man, I'd like to see many people get saved if I could. He said, well, we don't have a Bible club in our public school. He said, why don't you start one? I said, what is that? He said, that's where somebody gets something they teach the Bible. I said, I think that'd be neat for somebody to do. He said, no, I'm talking about you. I said, I said I just got saved. He said, you don't need to know much. Most Christians don't. He said, but if you'd be willing, I'd help you along. I said, all right. And then my pastor helped me along. And I'd just been saved. I'd just been saved. I've not been saved six weeks. And I said, okay, it's worth a try. So I started a Bible club. Invited all my friends. I said, come to the Bible club. What are you going to do? I don't know. But if you come, it would be better than what you're doing right now. They started coming. I had no idea what I was doing. I'd ask my friend, I'd ask my pastor. Then all of a sudden, the principal heard about it. I attended North Carolina High School in uh, Maryland. And the 
principal heard about it and he said, hey, he said, uh, we need somebody. Back, this is back in the day when our schools honored our God and country. Amen. He said, we need somebody that after we do the pledge. By the way, young people, there used to be a day in America in every public school where we would all stand, we'd face the flag, and we would all in unison say the Pledge of Allegiance to America. That's the America you don't have right now. But uh, he said, after we do the Pledge of Allegiance, we need public school, public school, public school. After we do the Pledge of Allegiance, we need somebody to lead in prayer. Public school, public school. And he said, I think you ought to do it. Only thing I knew to pray was, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray, I mean, I mean, I knew nothing. I didn't know a thing, man. Hunter, I was scared as could be. I didn't know a thing. And, uh, and, and he said, I, I'll help you. Yeah, you know how he helped me? Now, Mike Wells is going to lead us in prayer. Where's my help? <laughs> but I'm telling you, there's a world out there that needs the gospel. My fear is there's people in this room that have never received Christ and in your heart, you're just biding your time. Well, you know, I'll just keep faking it until I make it. You'll never make it because you can't fake it. Have you received Christ? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, please, for just a moment. I love you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I am concerned about you. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.